Welcome to the Good Athlete Podcast, the voice of the Good Athlete Project. This week's episode features a conversation with Eric McMahon, the new coaching program manager for the National Strength and Conditioning Association. McMahon has over 14 years of coaching experience, including roles with the Texas Rangers, Milwaukee Brewers, and the MLB Europe programs. McMahon holds a master's in exercise science from Springfield College, where he served as an anatomy and physiology instructor, as well as strength and conditioning coach for a plethora of athletic teams. And before we get started, please make sure that you like and subscribe to the Good Athlete Podcast, and be sure to share after giving it a listen. We appreciate your support and hope you enjoy. All right, so what are you most excited for about San Antonio, Texas? I'm fired up for Coaches Conference. It's always one of my favorite events to go to with the NSCA before I was here at the headquarters uh, going to Coaches Conference. That was that was the offseason for me, and that's definitely the event I went to the most. Uh, connect with all the RSCCs at the RSCC reception and just all the coaches that go. I think this brings us back to what the NSCA is all about, representing coaches and uh I'm really, really happy to have this event to uh, just showcase and recognize the quality coaches we have in the organization. I like, so, so not the Alamo or partially, you know, (laughs) so it's funny. I go back to when I was at Springfield college and uh, you know, we, I went to my first coaches conference for the NSCA. It was a sports specific conference at the time is what they called it. And uh, that was in San Antonio. So that was my, my first time. Yeah, kind of breaking away from the conference sessions and going to the Alamo, but I, uh, I think we've had this might be my fifth coaches conference in San Antonio. Yeah, coming up, if you know, thinking back through the years since since the early two thousands. So uh, I've done the Alamo a few times. So you I might, might skip just, it this time. Yeah, I might stick fair to enough. the sessions. <laughs> fair enough. You know what's funny about that? So actually. Um, Full disclosure, I didn't tell you this before we hit record. I, I'm looking outside this window right now. You can see this brick office that I'm in. Um, we are in the process of remodeling. So we're about to go to our temporary home. Uh, but I'm looking out into a gym where I – that was my first professional job after playing football. If you, I guess technically football was my first job. This is my first real job. Um, and, and it's empty now. So it's a little, I'm getting nostalgic. And, and I say that because my first NSCA conference was down in San Antonio as well. So, oh, nice. I, yeah. So it, it's making me think back to that time when this whole thing was just kicking off. Anyway, it'll be a lot of fun. And, and for those listening, I hope you can join us down there. Um, I will be, I, I'll, I'll hopefully see it. Is it the RSCC dinner? Is that the fifth? Is that Wednesday the fifth? Uh, no, the, um, so we'll be getting set up on the 5th. Uh, the event runs from the 6th to the 8th. So Thursday the 6th to Saturday the 8th. Uh, kind of the kickoff pre-con sessions will be on that Thursday. Mm-hmm. And then we just kind of have a kickoff party where everybody just cuts it up in the exhibit hall and uh, just catches up after, you know, uh, not seeing each other in a long time. And then Friday we get, you know, hardcore into all the sessions, full yep. day of sessions. There's an exhibitor reception. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the very end of that. And then after the exhibitor reception, that's when the RSCCs, uh, gotcha. RSVP by invite only get together after afterwards on, on the Friday. So very cool. Uh, yeah. 
And I will tell, I'll just say, because I think that'll be part of the theme of our discussion is, is high school strength conditioning that I'm excited to be contributing to the panel on the 6th. I think it's 4 p.m. on January the 6th. A bunch of good folks, um, I think, are going to be on that panel. And, um, and it's going to be celebrating a pretty cool project. You want to talk about that first? And then I want to hear um, about your long storied career in strength and conditioning, if that's okay. For so, sure. Um, yeah, I'm excited for the high school session at Coaches Conference. I'm excited for, uh, you know, our project, you know, the big, the, the new high school strength and conditioning book. And this yeah. is, uh, you go back to, uh, I think it was 2003, we had, a, there was an initial NSCA uh, high school strength and conditioning book and some resources that started around that time. But I think anyone in the field knows there's a lot more work to do in the high school space. And so group of great coaches came together, yourself included, and contributed chapters for this book. And one thing I'm really excited about this book is that it really encapsulates the different types of high school coaches, strength and conditioning coaches that exist out there, whether, whether you're talking dedicated strength and conditioning coaches or, you know, hybrid teacher coaches, uh, mm -hmm. with, and, 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 and there's other, you know, types of high school coaches too, that come from sometimes the private sector, depending on where you are. And so this book does a good job of bringing that all together. Yeah. Uh, you know, I know there's been debates over the years about, you know, what's the right path to promote and push in the high school space. And uh, we continue to work through that and try to just elevate the field of strength and conditioning. And I think in these times, when you have these debates, it's important to go back to the athletes and say, you know, for most of us, strength and conditioning started at 18 years old when you went to college, if you were playing a sport or whatever it was. But these kids now get a four-year head start by having a high school strength coach putting a program in place that gives them a stronger foundation yep. to develop their athleticism, to prevent injury, uh, and, and just, I think it benefits the college coaching community to get better, more prepared athletes, uh, when, when they are 18, 19 years old, showing up on campus and, and, you know, you think about it, it's really a ground up approach. You know, if we can develop athletes and serve athletes at a middle school, we're starting to hear middle school now, middle school and high school level, it really does a lot for the field as a whole. And, and coaching professions as a whole. Think about that. You know, think about, uh, you know, you as a coach, everybody who calls themselves a coach has some inspiring story or factor that, that drove you to this profession or field. And, uh, you know, for me, that happened in college. For a lot of people, that happens during your college age years. But the early exposure to the, to the field of strength and conditioning, not everybody's going to make the pros or be a college all American, but there's a lot of great aspiring strength coaches that just may not know it yet that uh, will get exposed to it just through quality high school coaches that they have. So yeah, I'm excited for that round table session that, that part of the pre-con uh, with, with human kinetics and a number of the different contributors from, from the book. I was just talking to Roger Earl at, human kinetics about that. And, uh, we're both really excited to, to have everyone there to dive into the book and ask some questions. Yeah. And so, uh, so yeah, I'm fired up. I'm fired up too, man. I, I, you, you mentioned so many good things there. One of them is, uh, 
what I, I mean, I just couldn't be more on board with the development of young people. Like, you know, this, my, my focus really is human development. And it just so happens that I believe that the weight room is a fantastic platform for that, um, where, where you can onboard both physical and mental capacities that ought to help someone for life, whether they, and, and like you said, the special part of, of the high school realm is doing it in a way that like, well, look, this is going to care. This is going to benefit you if you go on to play in college and continue your career. And if we're doing it right, this should benefit you regardless. Um, you know, and, and we can go into like, the, you know, how to uh, embed social emotional learning in the weight room. That's becoming more and more like kind of my focus, how to like really be deliberate and explicit about the teaching of social emotional learning capacities in the weight room. Um, but in reference, you know, referencing the book again, um, I'm also really interested in the concept of moving well. So you know this already, but uh, the chapter I wrote was all on body weight exercises. And that is absolutely fundamental to things that we do. You know, move well, then add challenge in the form of uh, extra resistance and speed and things like that. But moving well, I'll tell you right now, as I look at, I mentioned, so my dad's, my dad's a sometimes listener, maybe he'll listen to this one, but I hope he doesn't take offense to this, but sometimes I see folks as they move on in life and, uh, and, and they don't move all that well, and they don't know how to, tra- they wouldn't know how to train if, you know, even if they, even if they believed in the value of it, I'm not sure they'd know how to, how to do it in a thoughtful way. So I was really excited and I'm glad, and I'm so grateful for you and, um, and Roger and Mike and Patrick and, and, and everybody who's had a hand in this um, to really kind of double down and continue to add emphasis to what's going on at the high school realm. Just to jump in, I, I really, uh, we can speak to the value of our young people all day. I think, you know, I'm, I'm a parent, you know, that that's what I do, you know, sure. but, but I think, you know, as a field, when we think of strength and conditioning and where these foundational concepts and principles come from, you know, there's, there's a lot of lore and history that goes back to powerlifting and Olympic lifting and all these different sports or bodybuilding even. And we've constantly been breaking those molds down. And I think Mm -hmm. when you look at it and deconstruct it to what is happening at the high school level, we're getting better as a field at ground up approaches to training. And, you know, think about, uh, Joe Ken, you know, block zero approach to training, you know, that your chapter on body weight exercise, we all needed good content there in 2020, very recently. Oh yeah, totally communicate that with our athletes and even hot debate topics. Like they came up at that time, like, Oh, what are we going to do when athletes get back? Oh, conditioning tests. Well, we just had a global pandemic. People were out for extended periods of time. Like, let's maybe break the mold a little bit and think a little bit more critically about the stress we're putting on athletes at a time that they might be experiencing something they've never experienced before. And so uh, ground up approaches to training, I think that's something we can do better as a field um, collectively, you know, across the board. But it really speaks to the value of that first program you're giving a 13, 14 year old kid or a 12, 13 year old kid in middle school. And, uh, that, that gets them in the door and addresses maybe some of the movement flaws before you're compounding those with, with, you know, unwarranted load. So, 
um, things we all know as coaches, but I think it's really important to think of just how valuable training at this age is. And, you know, one last point on this is that a lot of our perspective on this field comes through the professional professionalization in the career aspect. So I, when I first discovered this field in college, as a college football player. Well, you better believe I thought about being a college football strength coach. I played Mm -hmm. hockey in high school. So you, you better believe I looked at programs that had hockey, you know, uh, in baseball. And that's the, the route I ended up going. We, as coaches, we look where the jobs are and maybe high school strength and conditioning, uh, there's, it's a different barrier of entry, you know, whether you need a teaching credential or just to learn, it's not the same onboarding process and, and learning process to be a college strength coach to go and be an intern and an assistant. And then yeah. next thing you know, your head and all that, you know, we know less about the path to become a established high school strength coach. And that's another thing I really like about this book is that it brings together a group of people that have done that, Mm -hmm. uh, shares their perspectives, their thoughts and, and for the field unites us knowing that there is a group of people out there that can help us solve these, these problems and questions in a, in a place that we haven't had, um, as much knowledge. Yeah. That's so good. The the career aspect you think I got to, that you mentioned, I really got to tap on that for a second because it's so good. I hope folks recognize that high school strength and conditioning coordinator, director of strength and conditioning at a high school, whatever it might, my, my title happens to be staff and student wellness coordinator, which, you know, strength and conditioning falls under that. But I started as strength and conditioning coordinator. Um, like the opportunities are growing massively. And, and I, and I hope not only do I hope uh, future professionals, hear this, but I hope administrators hear this too, because I, at least in our area, the dominoes are starting to fall. It's becoming more and more clear that to have sort of a resident expert um, in the field on campus is, is, is best practice at this point. You know, folks have tried it in physical education and, and with, with you know, with varying degrees of success. Um, and I'll, I'll not to go too deep into my story or our story, but you mentioned that hybrid thing. We have a full, we've had an athletics based strength and conditioning offering for as long as I've been here. So 10 years now on the dot pretty much. Um, and, uh, well, 11 years now, man, that makes me feel old, but, uh, (laughs) so, but we've had that offering. It's been great and it's been growing and it's been fantastic. I could talk all day about it, but the probably most meaningful thing that's happened for the health of the students and in in our programs has been a lot full alignment with our physical education courses. So we now have 10 sections of, of our PE class. We call it athletic strength and conditioning uh, that runs the same sort of programs, at least at the base level, we, we share a core programming uh, with everything that's happening before and after school. So this alignment uh, would not have been possible if it were something that's happening just in athletics or just in physical education. So uh, anyway, I say that because the dominoes are tipping, it's becoming, you know, the proof of concept is there. More and more high schools are getting on board, making room in their budgets uh, to make this sort of position come to life. So I do hope people will look toward it. And uh, it is as meaningful, I think, as anything that you could do. Uh, The opportunity to impact a young person, I'm sure you were the same way, but when I was a, a teenager, my high school years, so influential, so bought into sport and, and would listen to whatever guidance my coaches were giving 
to me. So having good people in that field at that level might, I mean, not only can you make a great living, but you can change lives along the way. There's purpose there. So it, yeah, I really, I like to say this a lot, but you go back to the early days, you know, the Boyd Epley's, the Vern Gambetta's, the, the, you know, the coaches that we all have, have read their stuff or we just know who they are from, from the early days, you know, they were educated just like we are, but a lot of their background was physical education. Early strength coaches were physical educators and teachers. Yep. And that's a really great realization at the high school level because these are professionals that are taught pedagogy and yep. and instructional practices and and how to read the room and manage the classroom. Yeah. You know, we don't think of that in the same terms in the you know as strength coaches, but we do that, right? Oh yeah. And so totally. in a way, in a, in a way, you know, we you know, coaching is teaching and being a strength and conditioning coach is especially close to being a physical educator. Cause that's exactly what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, we can get caught up in the, you know, the, uh, governing bodies or the, or, or the disciplines themselves or the careers. Yep. But, you know, when you're the consumer, when you're the young athlete, You know, if you have a weight training module and PE, and that's the only exposure to weight training you have, and your football coach is telling you, you need to get bigger and stronger. Well, that's what you're going to rely on. So there's so much value to integrating the whole concept, Yeah. Uh, you know, connects. And I see so much of a link between, you know, LTAD, those concepts, physical education, strength and conditioning at, at the youth levels, you think yeah. of all the great papers, Dr. Avery Fagenbaum and, and uh, uh, Rick Howard, and, and just so many people have contributed to this body of knowledge we have. And we're so much smarter now in the exercise sciences, but it's important to remember the instructional practices and as well, especially with yeah. youth athletes. Uh, and one quick story, you know, I, um, I was working a, you know, I, I was a, in my baseball career, I got to spend six years with the Frisco Rough Riders in Frisco, Texas. And that's a pretty long stint in the minor leagues. You're, and I was you're really playing you're talking about. No, I was a strength coach. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Yep. And, uh, and so I was, uh, you know, working my way up through the minors, but I had a really great affiliate and we, you know, had a young family and, you know, when you have a good place in the minor leagues, you, you stay there, you know, <laughs> you, you don't be afraid to stay oh. because there's a lot of, places there maybe don't have an as as nice a setup or whatever it is sure and so i i'd volunteer and help at the uh rough riders you know youth baseball camp and run a station every year and uh and you know just your typical one two-day baseball camp where the kids are bouncing around station to station and uh maybe tells you a little bit about me but i'm like well if we're gonna do this we're gonna we're going to actually like work on something, you know? So I had some ladders out there and these were, you know, eight to 10 year old, eight to 11 year old kids. And, and we're just doing some ladders and some basic agilities, uh, which at that age really brings you back to coordination and, uh, body control deceleration. You can really teach those, Mm -hmm. you know, things like high knees and a skips, you can really slow those down and, and make them valuable drills. So uh, a grandfather up in the stands flagged me down on one of the breaks. And he says, Hey, I, I could tell you were really like putting some effort into those kids. And, 
you know, my, my grandson, you know, I don't ever think he's going to be a pro athlete or anything, but I just want him to have more fun as, you know, as a kid and be able yeah. when he's playing sports to just feel like he's doing a good job and, and just run, run a little better. You know, do you think you could help him? So at that time I, I wasn't doing a whole lot of like training on the side or anything like that. We don't have a ton of time, but I was sure. like, you know what? I'm not going to say no to this guy. It seems like a really, really nice thing to do. And I ended up learning a lot from it. And, uh, you know, I remember doing three to five sessions with this kid and really I went back to, you know, a skips, B skips, C skips, mm -hmm. just kind of some shuffling, just get your body in the right position, some arm action. And, uh, a few months later, you know, he, uh, the grandfather and the dad sent me a, a text message of his son sliding into second base when he, or when he stole a, when he stole a base in a baseball game. So, awesome. uh, it was just, you know, one of those things of, they had very realistic expectations, but you could see the kids confidence improve a lot. And I think, yeah. I mean, there's research to support it, but I think we all know that, that if you empower somebody and give them a snippet of a skill and believe in them that they can do it. Yep. Uh, that's going to take them forward. And that's what it's really all about. So uh, I, I don't get to tell that story a whole lot. So I'm glad I got to. Yeah. I love it, man. That, that, and you're exactly right. You've done so many things for so many super high caliber athletes, but like, like you just said, if you, you it, I have found, and it sounds like you have too, that like you can empower a young person psychologically through like through the physiological realm like if you can help someone move well if you and, and tell them like look you did that if you can help them run a little faster uh move weight a little bit more or like you said just more confidence in, in base, basic movement patterns like what a what a wonderful thing that could be and especially for a young person so i gotta say this though so you spent uh let's dig into your background a little bit because it's super interesting so you you um you spent six years uh with that team what, yeah, what so the rest that, was, that was kind of in the middle of it all. Oh, so, so I, uh, I went to St. Lawrence university, um, and, uh, played football there. And that's really okay. where, you know, I had a baseball coach in, in high school that owned a gym and that's where I'd go back and train. Sometimes he's actually the, uh, person who said, Hey, the NSCA has got a great certification. You, you should look it out when I was pursuing the field. So I, I credit him with that. Um, but, I was, you know, I learned a lot. I was a D3 school. I was playing football and you had, we had our football coaches between recruiting, running the workouts. There were some really good things going on. I was getting better, uh, you know, bigger, faster, stronger, all these things. Sure. Uh, but there's also some things where I'm like, maybe, maybe this could be a little bit better. And when I discovered that strength and conditioning was actually a role at some of the bigger schools and division one schools, it really intrigued me because that's, um, you know, I had to work to get on the field, you know, as a junior senior, you know, in, in play. So, uh, I really thrived in the weight room before I thrived yeah. on the field. That's awesome. And, uh, and so that was really my pathway. I was a, um, you know, it's cool coming up this April, I, uh, I can, I can look in the system and see all my dates. Now I I'm coming up on my 20th year as an NSCA member. So oh, wow. to get back to 2002 and I'm at a liberal arts school. I'm a biology major. I'm taking all the exercise science, minor, uh, classes. I think I took as many minor classes as I did my major just cause I was so into it. 
Oh, wow. Uh, and they didn't offer the major, but, um, but yeah, so I, I discovered the NSCA in college. I, I bought the book uh, 20 years ago. Yeah. I joined uh, to be a member so I could get a discount on the book or, you know, and, and just, yeah. you know, you know how it goes. And, uh, and then I'm like, well, okay, it's on now. This is going to be a big part of my career path and I'm going to figure out what I need to do. Well, um, you know, at that time, academic programs were really starting to take off in the field. And I pursued Springfield college just because it had a great reputation in the Northeast. There was a number of other great schools at that time that were, uh, they were starting up some great programs. Some were more research, research focused. UConn was one of those with Dr. Yeah. Kramer and, and just a ton of great students came out of that program. But Springfield was it for me. I, I went in with the mentality that I was going to go get a GA position. And um, what I, what I heard was, you know, they wanted you cause I was a football player. You know, I, I knew that going to get a strength and conditioning GA job, you know, like there might be someone out there, they would probably get that ahead of me. So I actually coached football for a year at Middlebury college and got a year yeah, of assistant football coach and a cool. assistant strength coach. And, and just kind of um, did that as a, a gap year into grad school. And uh, that gave me a chance to go and apply for some of those football GA jobs too. So I, I had a bunch of GA interviews for football, for strength and conditioning, but come to find out, you know, the, um, the best situation in terms of credits and, and, and money and all the things I got the opportunity to be the anatomy and physiology, uh, GA in the bio, oh, cool. in the bio department. Yeah. So I was teaching, you know, the introductory AMP labs and, and courses and doing review sessions for all, you know, aspiring coaches, all the exercise science majors, all the uh, athletic training students, and physical therapy. So it was a really great group of students that had different interests, but they were, uh, they were all kind of connected around sport performance. And it goes back to, we were talking about PE. Well, Springfield college is a physical education school. You know, that's where the, the really YMCA, it, yeah. yeah, where the YMCA was, was founded, you know, going back, you know, to the, you know, humanics, um, philosophies and all those things. So that's really a core theme at that school. And you have all the majors of sports biology and sports counseling, athletic counseling, sports psychology. You have all the little sub-disciplines and strength and conditioning is one that um, has a, we have a great alumni network in that program. So um, great experience there. I was actually just on with a group of their students, their second year grad students. And nice. uh, I still try to give back to that program when I can. And part of that is you have internships that pushed me into baseball because I got the opportunity just through some um, friends, colleagues, students that I was with at Springfield that had connections in the game. And uh, then I, during my summers, would go and work for the Milwaukee Brewers up in Helena, Montana at their short season affiliate. And then when I finish, finished my coursework, I got jumped up a bunch of levels uh to double a and the game really wow. sped up uh and i was in huntsville alabama so that was the time if you you got thrown into the fire as a strength coach at that time and uh if if you could if you could get through it and wanted to come back and you were a professional you you kept getting opportunities and so i was yeah. able to uh 
to advance pretty quick there. And uh, that led me into um, what, you know, I had a decent situation there, but it was a very, it was kind of a seasonal employment thing. Uh, and then it was like, okay, three years in the game. I, uh, I'm going to try to pursue a full-time job. And uh, again, one of my other uh, coaches I was with, with Milwaukee's like, Hey, uh, Texas Rangers have, they're hiring two, three full-time affiliate strength coaches. Um, you, sh you should look at this. And uh, uh, so I did and uh, use a little network connection to just try to get in the door there. And I was uh, interviewing and, stuff like that. The baseball world happens pretty quick, or at least it yeah. did at that time where I was actually off to go work the MLB Europe program, um, in Terenia, Italy and work with, uh, some of the national team programs. And so that was kind of my off season thing planned set up there, which I did for a couple of years. And then when I took, when I, when I got in with the Rangers, uh, full time, I, uh, I, I left that program, but I was in Bakersfield, California for two years. And cool. that's when I got promoted to double a Frisco, Texas, uh, six years, one year in round rock, Texas. And then, uh, my last two years were at the major league level in Arlington, Texas. So, uh, and then brought me here to the NSCA. Now, now I yeah. can work across multiple sports and, uh, you know, different type of role for sure. Tell, tell me, uh, tell me about that switch. So a lot of people who had, who had worked that hard to get to that point and get to the major leagues, like, like when did you decide that you wanted a different, I, I, I mean, do you, do you practice less? Like, are you less of a practitioner now and you get to, is there more space to think about all this stuff yeah, or what was the appeal? Well, I mean, I love strength and conditioning and I'm con deeply connected to the profession of strength and conditioning and supporting yeah, sure. coaches. And I get to live strength and conditioning every, every day. I'd say the role when it began, when Scott Caulfield was at the NSCA was largely based out of the performance center, which mm -hmm. anyone listening or who connects with the NSCA probably sees my role as a little more outward facing. And, uh, and that's pretty accurate is, you know, Scott was starting to get out more and do more speaking and, and, and he's out there still to this day. Uh, yeah. but you know, my role, my role, yeah, my, my role came from that and we have our performance center and that runs. And, uh, uh, but I, I get to be, uh, involved with some of the decision-making processes of different NSCA programs and really be the bridge of, you know, the voice of the coaches, within into the building, you know, and, and also the other way too, of what, this is what we're doing in Colorado Springs, explain that to the coaching community um, and why, why it's relevant. And, and yeah. I think that that exchange is really valuable because uh, just the need for transparency when you have 60,000 members and certificates, and there's only 50 of us in yeah. Colorado Springs. Wow. To serve 60,000 people. And so, uh, it's, uh, I could, I could get on the phone phone all day, every day and not still not talk to everybody, uh, but, you know, with that many constituents. And then you look at our global chapters and, uh, all, all the different layers of it all, but, uh, it is very rewarding that I get to work in a profession that I've dedicated my life to, you know, right. I, 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 I really feel like this was a calling for me. And a lot of coaches say that, you know, you, we know this isn't going to be like an instant paycheck. 
this, this career. We know that it's about other people and, and giving back to the, to the athletes we have or the people we work with, you know, um, some people do that. Some people in our field will say, I'm going to go be a professor so that I can teach people how to go do that and have an even bigger impact. And I feel kind of the same way in this role is that I get to support coaches. I get to support sports scientists, um, experienced veterans in both of those, and also aspiring members of our community that want to advance themselves into new and emerging roles and, um, and represent the, um, some of the momentum of the field. So, uh, it is a very rewarding role. It's a different role. It, it, it trains different muscles than when I was a, I'd say a practicing strength coach, boots on the ground, strength coach at the affiliate. Uh, you know, one cool thing that happened last year, we were out at the, uh, MLB first ever MLB combine. Yep. You know, that those initiatives and, uh, we have the RSCC coaches really, um, are embedded in major league baseball. And, uh, I got to run the warm up station. Oh, cool. And I kind of got the vibe of like, Oh, this is going to be kind of an assembly line of like all these prospect athletes coming through. And it's, you know, you get to run the same warm up, you know, time and time again. So nobody's really stepping up and I'm like, you better believe I, I get to coach for a few hours here. Yeah. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be doing this. So I got to run That's that exciting. station and, uh, no, it was, it was, it was great. So I, I jump back in whenever I can. That, yeah. I believe it. Right, speaking of that, are the, is anyone at the performance center? Like, do, do you have teams coming through there again or, or. Yeah. So we have a, we have a local junior hockey team, junior hockey program and all the yeah. different age levels there uh, coming That's through. Uh, we, we, we have um, the Colorado Springs SWAT team that has trained there. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's a, been a longstanding thing, you know, COVID really mixed things up with, uh, with our training schedules and just in the area, right. we're kind of getting back on track with, uh, with local teams and, you know, just the availability of that, but, uh, but yeah, we're, we're ramping it up and Mel Hurl is the, uh, RSCC strength coach on staff that, it cool. runs those teams. So, uh, we call her coach and she's, she cracks the whip in there. It's awesome. That's wild. So, okay. Uh, this just reminds me of being in Colorado Springs. So I have, have to ask the Manitou Springs incline. When yeah. was the last, when was the last time you went up it? So I actually did that. You know, it's hard to find, harder to find time with my four kids in tow. So today's Fair actually enough. my, um, my, uh, two-year-old's birthday. Oh, cool. Happy so, birthday. Uh, yeah. Nora, she, um, she's not really ready for the incline yet. So for anyone no. that doesn't know this is a, uh, mile long hike. It's basically a staircase and you start at about 7,000 feet and you go up to about 9,000 feet yeah. elevation. And, uh, I mean, there's records. I wasn't setting any records when I did it, but I think, I, I think I get up there in about like 52 minutes or so so which is a pretty pretty solid time people are saying but i know like people do it uh i mean some people it takes well over an hour and i think the records are somewhere in like the 30 minute mark you you really like you really realize the value or the impact of elevation and uh i did that about two to three weeks when i first got to colorado springs at the nsca and my family wasn't out here yet 
So yeah. I, uh, I just kind of went out, parked the car and said, okay, we're going to do this thing. And, uh, it didn't look so bad at first, but you, you stop and you're huffing and puffing. And oh, dude. Uh, it is a, it is a humbling experience from, uh, and I know that firsthand. So, uh, yeah, people got to go check. First of all, your facility is beautiful. Uh, so obviously the NSCA headquarters is there, uh, all sorts of USOC, USOP Olympic work going on. Uh, the rumor I heard is that Apollo Ono, I don't know if if that name is even relevant to folks now, but, um, the, I heard that he had the record and it's because he would drive up that thing once, come on back down, catch his breath and then go up again. Uh, I personally, I, maybe if you gave me a, three days rest, I would do it again. But uh, also just happens to be, and this is the thing that I mention every time I come out to see you guys, but like, it is just so beautiful out there. Like the, the going up is, is a tough climb, but once you're up there, it's like the views are fantastic. And then uh, you do that sort of switchback trail coming down. Um, it's a blast. People got to go check it out. Yeah, I know. We love it here. We, we live for 10 years in uh, the Dallas area. Yeah. And, uh, from Vermont before that, and just baseball took me all over the country, but we do, uh, we do really enjoy being out here and it's, it's a great place for, for the family. Uh, it's a very sports driven community here with all the Olympic movement. And, uh, it's, it's just been really great coming up on a year and a half living here, my second year at the NSCA. So I like it. Okay. So you pretty much got there right before. COVID, right? Maybe, maybe a few months prior. Three months. Yeah. My first day on the job was actually at 2020 coaches conference in San Antonio. Yeah. And I was just still living in Texas and I actually drove down, hadn't met any of the staff or anything, had the job offer and, and, uh, okay. Your first day is going to be coaches conference. And, uh, funny thing was I was already scheduled to speak at that event and I had two sessions. Ah. So I really ramped up my workload, you know, adding that to the, uh, to the, to learning, learning the new job. So I got up on stage, I think it was five times in my first day, you know, and, uh, and, uh, I, after that, it really only got easier, I would sure. say. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, uh, that's good. But, you know, well, and then, uh, and then moved out to Colorado Springs within a couple of weeks. Yeah. I love it. Well, here's what I'll say um, to bring it all together. First of all, thank you for making the choice. Um, Scott's a good friend and, and was sad to see him go, but obviously he's still doing amazing things. And, but to have you kind of step up, it, it's a similar role. It's not exactly the same role, but I will say that um, I'm, I'm just grateful for all the work that you're doing on behalf of coaches, because uh, the people who support kids and athletes at any level, they need support and, and you definitely do seem to have um, your, your finger on the pulse of, of everything that's going on out there. So appreciate all your work. Yeah. Thank you. No. And, and I think it speaks to, you know, the goal of the NSCA to keep doubling down and pouring in resources, more resources uh, and adjusting roles so that we can better serve uh, the strength and conditioning community. And so I'm, I'm really uh, fortunate that I can be in this situation, help people. And, uh, I encourage anyone listening to, to reach out, get connected and, uh, and be part of it. Uh, so how do people, how would people find you specifically? Perfect. Uh, Eric McMahon, CSCS, uh, that's my Instagram. That's my Twitter. 
Um, my email is eric.mcmahon at nsca.com. Got it. Uh, and okay, so we're going to put this out before uh, we head down in San Antonio. So uh, I hope people, if you haven't signed up yet, if you're in the field and you haven't signed up yet, please check it out. Uh, I'll say shameless plug for, for me and all those other folks who, who helped write that book. Come see us on January 6th. Uh, follow the NSCA and follow Coach here uh, at, at the locations he just mentioned. So once again, thank you. Um, let's keep this conversation going. I know you and I have a lot of work to do uh, in, in the future, but again, just grateful for you, man. So thanks for your time and all your work. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Do you need business cards? Do you need flyers, posters, custom thank you notes, or any sort of stationery to take your business to the next level? If so, then you've got to see the good people at Mighty Printing. They've got two locations. One of them's up north in Glencoe, Illinois. The other is right in the heart of Chicago on 180 West Washington Street. They do most of the printing for the Good Athlete Project, and we just could not do our business without them. They've also worked with teams like the Chicago Bulls and the Chicago Blackhawks. They've worked with Let Us Entertain You Restaurant Group. They do holiday cards. They do wedding cards. They help you. They help you not only celebrate special occasions, but make them that much more special. And like I said, if you are a small business owner or a large business owner, they will give you the sort of personalized service combined with incredibly high quality goods. You just can't find that combo, honestly, anywhere else. Find them online at mightyprint.com. That's M-I-T-E print, P-R-I-N-T dot com. And on Instagram, same thing, at mightyprint, M-I-T-E print. And tell them the Good Athlete Project sent you.